we've driven our cars very little. Like mine, <laughs> mine actually, a while ago when I was at the old apartment, the battery died. And uh, <laughs> she tried to jumpstart it and it was, it was so dead. It wouldn't even jumpstart. So I had to like call my mechanic and be like, Hey, my battery's dead and I'm in the process of moving and I need to get my car out of here. So I'm going to have it towed to you guys. And they're like, we can't get to it till Monday. I'm like, I don't care. I just, it can't be here because my lease runs out at the end of the week. Like take as long as you want with it. I just need it out of this parking spot. So everybody to another episode of the motor mouth podcast a podcast where a lot of great ideas go absolutely nowhere my name is joel tyree and with me as always is my esteemed co-host the tim gerard hello hello what two topic center insanity leaves it's it's far gone we talked about rush for way too long before this podcast <laughs> tim what did you bring us this session so i'm closing out my discussion of my new age new age phase with what brought me out of it, which is Joseph Campbell. Ah, the hero's journey. Mm. <laughs> That's not a metaphor at all. It's all a metaphor. <laughs> it's all a metaphor, yeah. <laughs> and uh, my, my topic was uh, uh, sidelined <laughs> for something that's more relevant to us here in April when we're recording this, not necessarily when it comes out. Um, I was going to bring something, and then you said you watched this. It's like, we're going to discuss that. We're going to talk about Kong versus Godzilla. You're welcome. But actually, it's it's Godzilla versus Kong. That's the oh, that's actual right. yeah. booking, because yeah. Godzilla's the, the money. <laughs> yeah, alphabetical. <laughs> Alphabet. Oh, okay. I guess that's right. <laughs> Though not the most empathetic one. <laughs> Sweet. All right, let's bring home the trilogy of new age tim all right now we're in old age tim or what, right, what's yeah. middle age tim <laughs> yeah yeah um all of these are inappropriate right yeah <laughs> but no but they're all very appropriate <laughs> so so yeah and, and and one thing i i wanted to mention too is that this wasn't sort of like this clean cutoff point either it was definitely you know there was a lot of overlap like this was sort of one of the things i'd kind of heard about and and it it it, it kind of worked its way in gradually, um, and I kind of at times I didn't know that it was. You know, it was. Um, I think I heard, and I, I I can't remember this exactly. While I was kind of discussing a lot of these things with a lot of my friends around me, I think I think it was my friend Joe who had said like, "Oh, have you ever checked out Joseph Campbell? Like, I think you would like a lot of his stuff." And I was like, "Oh, I've never heard of him. Don't know who that is." So real quick, let's recap. This is this is coming in. You had you had done some sound therapy sessions, mm -hmm. one specifically where you had brought out all of these kind of negative things in a person, and you mm -hmm. you you were kind of feeling weird about that, and not sure like should I be even doing this, but also that kind of uh, uh, friction of feeling that you were also like, oh, something I did actually affected. Like I, I it mm -hmm. does something. Like there's something to this. 
And then I'm trying to think there was a summit that you went to that was very much more culty um, right. yeah, based so. on the book, but that it was the teachings of somebody who was a follower of, I'm, I'm not, yeah, yeah. So, not so Michael the... Penying, but I'm, I'm, I'm in right. that genre. It's not as clear cut <laughs> as what he says, but I just want to kind of give some more. Uh, so Tim is kind of in, in enmeshed in this world and, and kind of questioning do I even like who I am now? And what's my identity as a result of kind of replacing my identity with all of these things? Is that a good narration? Am I just talking over you? Okay. And then, so this is kind of like what, what made you emerge and then start to redefine Tim as, as a self-identified thing rather than a, an appropriative thing. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and again, this is something that at the time I wasn't aware of this, but in retrospect, a lot of what was, what was going on and to use the term loosely, what was going wrong was that, you know, in, in trying to look for answers. And I know that, you know, now I know that the point isn't to look for answers it's to look for questions, but um, (laughs) look for better questions. Right. But, but the, the answers were coming, you know, from these other people through, um, you know, it was, it, it was very much a return to polytheism. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, the, the sort of the more, the more gods and deities and whatever you want to spirits, whatever you want to call them, you know, there's just kind of the more, like, it just kind of muddies the waters. You're it's kind more of cacophonous. Getting, there was yeah, nothing clear. You're, you're getting farther away from any sort of like core, you know, or, you know, like, again, the, the search for God, the more things you put physically, you know, or the more things you purposely put in between you, the farther you get away, you get from that. Also um, something like incompatible with your OCD, where it has a lot of origin in like, well, I got to pray to protect everybody because then right. it'll be my fault. But now you've got 87 people to pray to. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't, that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're, yeah, you're supposed to know, well, if I want this to happen, you know, so, so yeah, so it was just this, this massive uh, accumulation of a lot of a lot of little things and none of them really clicked, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, looking for a new, I guess, belief system, if you want to say. Um, was any of it making you happy? Like, was there anything that was how, how was because we've talked about kind of like more ethereal things, but like in terms of like, I guess yeah. happiness is kind of ethereal, but like uh, most of it, you, no. Some, mm-hmm. some of the sound stuff was like when I really started to feel like I was getting somewhere with it and like I was kind of developing my own voice within it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, also clashed with the idea of the ego, right? That's what we were talking about a lot right. where it was like, you shouldn't feel any pride about this. This is a means to an end, like Nirvana ish kind yeah. of thing where it like, yeah. And, and so like I guess happiness wasn't part of the conversation. Right. Yeah. And if you're, if you're doing like a, a Reiki session or a sound healing session on someone, it's not about what you're doing. It's about what the person needs. And, and for me, it was just kind of like, well, then why am I here? You know, right. like, and, um, you know, and it was something that I did kind of struggle a lot with because it was like, I, you know, as a person, you want to feel at least somewhat important to someone, you know, it's not about being like, you know, I'm the greatest person in the universe, but it's like, I want to, I want to matter, you know, and, and I don't know that that was their intention in sort of introducing this, that it's like, well, the energy is passing through you. You're not doing it. It's the energy doing it. It's this and that, and or it's this deity doing it through you. And it's kind of like, okay, well then why, yeah. Why do I need to be here? Kind of thing. Um, 
it's also like at what point like who's doing that for you right like that that's also a difficult part like who's the conduit for the universe and its energy for you yeah why why do you have to be this kind of pa- and i mean again like ego selfishness that small self we we had that conversation last mm-hmm. session but like yeah, just like an interesting, and it's also like wanting wanting to interact with it through the the sound therapy. Is is that the right terminology? Um, uh, yeah, it's one of them. Like I I settled on the term sacred sound because it kind of references the nature of the music as opposed to or like sound healing is the other thing. Okay. Which again, you're kind of making the claim that what it's doing is healing. Gotcha. Um, so I wanted to remove myself from that and be like, look, this is this is a thing that exists, sacred sound. It's not, you know, me, like I didn't invent this. It's been here since the beginning, but I'm it's not gonna... claiming anything. It's just, this is yeah. a sound ancient sound. You said ancient sound session would be what you marketed it as. Or uh, yeah, I think sacred, like, or sacred, sacred not sound. ancient. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And you know, and the idea, I think that with the word sacred is to kind of separate it from, uh, from, from music, which is like entertainment, you know, whether it be right. pop music or, or even film scoring or even, you know, classical music, you know, it's, it's meant to be, uh, although some would say that like, you know, many, especially modern classical music is almost more cerebral, you know, right. as opposed to emotional, but, but again, having these other functions as opposed to it being, um, you know, something that's more ceremonious, you know, and, and ritualistic and things like that, um, and that was one. I know we talked last time about ritual and how ritual never really made sense to me. And I was trying to find some sense through sound with, with, or through ritual with sound. Um, you know, and I actually, I actually composed the piece. Um, this was sort of one of the, like for a while, I just wasn't a composer. I wasn't really writing any music creatively. It was kind of following these guidelines or whatever. So I did write a piece that was, um, I called it a sacred sound mass. And it was based on the idea of like, you know, the Catholic mass where it's like, here are these different parts of music. And, and many composers have done that where they've written their own, um, their own music around these certain texts that are used in the Catholic mass. So I kind of started with there, but instead of using the whole text, I would just take it as the first line and turn it into a mantra. So it's the idea of combining Mm. Latin text and the way it's used in a Catholic mass with a, um, a, a a Hindu and Tibetan idea of repeating the phrase over and over again. Um, and then on top of that, I also used some like native American style drumming, um, and also some crystal bowls. So there was like all of these things kind of mixed together. Is that on your website? Uh, it's, I believe it's, if it's not on my website, it's on my YouTube page, uh, okay. which you can get to from my, from my website, I think. But yeah, it's, uh, and What's I your think website? Uh, oh, the Tim Gerard.com. You know why I <laughs> plug you as the Tim Gerard every time? It's because of that right there. <laughs> right, thank you. <laughs> um, no, that'd be interesting to hear. We'll, yeah, I'll try would... and link it in the description. That would be, Oh, cool. great. Thanks. Like yeah. throwback. And it, it was actually, uh, it was performed in a, a decommissioned Catholic church, which is the church Ooh. that I used to go to when, well, it wasn't the, the original church I went to, but it's actually with this giant like cathedral type church, which is, it's a, it's a beautiful church. And I, I really have fond memories of it because I remember during mass, just looking up at the ceiling and looking at the paintings on the ceiling. And it's a very like, you know, you know, not probably, I'm sure not as good as Michelangelo, but it's that, that type of thing where there are the paintings all in the stained glass. And that's what I would be doing is looking at the art and the, the stories being told through that art. Um, and that's part of why I wanted to have it there because that was something that I still had, I guess, sort of good feelings about, you know, and the space just had this, this sense of reverence to it. 
um, and resonance, you know, because it's a church. Um, but yeah, it, it got to the point where I think it couldn't be maintained. So, mm-hmm. uh, these, these two guys, I think they just sort of bought it and turned it into this arts and cultural center. Basically they wanted to save the building, you know, um, and be able to, you know, so they had concerts there and you could kind of rent it out and perform it there and things like that. Um, and I think there were even churches that would still pay to rent it out for a specific event, but it was, it's something, you know, to, to heat it during the winter is something ridiculous. <laughs> As we all know from the light right. bill and the, <laughs> the <Right. new> bill. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pla- pass so, that plate round real quick. Decommissioned right. church story. When I was living in England, there was this nightclub called Freud and was spelled F. R-E-V-D, like the, nice. the Roman numeral. Yeah. And it it was a, a, an old decommissioned Anglican cathedral. Nice. And they had really, really good mixed drinks. And it was just like the little lilt of, of uh, blasphemous that mm-hmm. made the nights all the better. You were yeah. sipping on, we used to get, like, it's called an apple pie cocktail. And it just, it tasted like apple pie. And that. it was fucking dangerous. <laughs> Sorry, just real quick deviation that might not make it in the final episode no no that's decommissioned decommissioned church stories are great stories yes (laughs) all right back to joe your friend joe asked you if you were interested in or had heard of joseph campbell and it's the hero's journey is the book or is it uh he's got many books i think there's one hero with a thousand faces i think is his most popular book he Um, has a lot about like story theory right like he's a very folklore centric yeah. So, so he, he was like a professor, uh, and he, he basically studied mythology and myths from all over the world mm-hmm. and was basically finding all of these common threads through all of these myths, um, that, you know, that, that sprouted up in like opposite corners of the world of the earth, you know? So it's like, okay, this isn't one thing that evolved from here to there. Like they, they kind of came up independently. Um, like the iconic iconography of the dragon or hero return or stranger in a strange land or like those kinds of things where it's like a stranger comes to town. A lot of, a lot of myth or a lot of story is yeah. a deviation mm-hmm. from that one principle is that new person in a new environment. Yeah. And, you know, and, and yeah, that's a lot of what it comes down to. Um, you know, kind of, you know, we know them now as, as, as archetypes, you know, these, these, mm-hmm. these things that show up in stories all over the place. Um, but this is, you know, this isn't how they were thought of because here's some, some tribe in some corner of the world that, you know, is finding a way to explain it, you know, their surroundings and, and, you know, explain the unknown. And they have all of these stories that have these concepts running through them that, you know, you find some of the same, you know, another, another good example is the, you know, the idea of like the death and resurrection of the hero, which, you know, mm. gets more into the hero's journey specifically and all that. I, I don't want to, I also don't want to get too ahead of myself because the, the, the sort of part of the journey is the journey to Joseph Campbell. So, cause, cause at the time I didn't know who he was. Gotcha. And I think at the time this was when I was also, um, yeah, I don't know what it was that triggered him, him to bring that up. I forget it's what it was. It's really interesting that this wouldn't have been like your first resource. Cause it is so, I don't know if that's just me like characterized with my relationship with you, but like mm. it, it, it is a no surprise to me that Campbell would be the thing to resonate with you so strongly. I don't know if that's just, the nature of your personality and how you interact with the world as like, since I've known you, but like, it seems like comic book fan, the way that you were looking for things like Campbell would have been like reading list one, like, and it could have been the first stop first and last stop on your journey. 
Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the thing too, is that like, it's, uh, you know, I mean, everyone, like you have to be introduced to something at some point. I just hadn't yet, you know, that was the thing. I also think a lot of it had to do with the, uh, the circles I was in at the time. Right. You know, and again, we'll get to this distinction later. We're so focused on all of these, uh, uh, you know, these deities, whatever you want to call them being, being real, being fact. And as you'll see later, that's kind of the, the, the opposite of, of, uh, the, 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 the center of, of Joseph Campbell's idea of all this stuff. Gotcha. Um, so, sorry, I'm not so, trying to get yeah. too far ahead. No, I just no, yeah, was no, curious. It, yeah. Well, and you know, I think it's like with a lot of stuff too, where it's like, um, uh, you know, again, like this was a, a, a long time ago. I'm trying to think of a Brown, uh, maybe like 20, 2008 to 2010, somewhere in that window. Um, so, you know, the, the, the internet is, is around and it is thriving. I think I have Netflix at this point, but I might have also only had Netflix with getting DVDs at this point, you know, throwback. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so that's the thing that I try to put it in context with that, where it's like, you know, it, you know, there isn't, there is the access to stuff, but it's also, if you don't know to look for stuff. And I think also once I knew about him, you, you definitely find that it was very common. Um, and there's, <laughs> There's a, there's a, there's a quote of his that we'll get to that, that, you know, we'll not see to diminish it at all. Like, I think he's definitely an important figure and the philosophy yeah. is important. I, I didn't mean to d- diminish it by no, saying no. it would have been one-on-one, but. Well, and, and I think that's part of it too, is, you know, like kind of like we've talked about with other things, like, you know, with, with, with mo- the movie mobile podcast where we just did citizen Kane, where it's like, it's a, it's influenced so many things by this point right. that you kind of take it for granted that like, Oh, this was at the core of all of these things. Right. And I think that is the case with, with, with Joseph Campbell is like, you know, in the recent years, yeah, I've definitely seen many people referencing, Oh yeah, the hero's journey and, you know, and, and, and the way that works itself into, into writing and, you know, and, and I feel like it is much more common nowadays. Um, but like, you know, at that, at that time, it was just kind of like, you know, and again, I was also searching for so many things. I didn't know where to look, what right. to look for, you know? So it's uh, also it, like that, the, those refined ideas, I wanted to say simplistic, but I don't think they're, they're, they're Im- immeasurably complex, but they are simply defined in the stuff that he talks about, at least hmm. from what the, the, the casual stuff that I've seen or heard about, about it. But I don't know that that would have resonated as hard at the beginning of your new age journey, right? Like it would have been like, well, okay, that's, that's great, but I want something more ethereal. So coming at the end of this cacophony of convoluted deities and, and this kind of like, uh, dogmatic belief in, in their absolute existence Mm -hmm. to, to refine them to a metaphorical and what they represent and what they're trying to communicate as a metaphor seem to, sorry, I feel like I'm getting ahead, but I'm also like really, really excited for, for the, <laughs> to just, well, no, no. And, and, and I'm glad too. Yeah. Because that is one of the things I feel like, you know, the, especially the last few, it's just kind of like me telling a story for my life. So it hasn't been much of a discussion. So it is, it, it is kind of cool that like, it's not, yeah, it is something you're well aware of, you know, like, you know, definitely you're much more aware now, than I was of him back then, you know, mm-hmm. what he, what he represented. Um, but I also, I had, you know, it, within the, the realm of my new age phase, I had this rule 
you know, and it kind of goes along with this idea of like, oh, there are no coincidences, which I've since cast off that idea. Like, yeah, coincidences can happen all the time. Then again, it's also can be a matter of perspective, you know, but I feel like also this, that idea can be very um, harmful because it leads to conspiracy theories, which like, oh, if you can make one little connection, it must mean that everything is right. true that's connected. You know, and it's like, okay, that's garbage. Because but, Charlie Day from... Uh... Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let me talk, let's talk about the mail. I never want to talk about the mail again. Um... <laughs> the mail never stops. <laughs> but, uh, um, so, okay. So, yeah, so my friend Joe mentions it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I never heard of him, but whatever. Um, and then I was having a conversation with my, my, um, at this point I wasn't at URI anymore, but the, who, who was my percussion teacher at, uh, at URI. And I was talking to him about some of the sound healing stuff. And I think I was telling him specifically about, about the chakras and like, oh yeah. And there are these energy centers in the body, this and that. And he's like, you know, Joseph Campbell talks about the chakras and he talks about the heart chakra and compares that to the virgin birth and the idea of like our, you know, our lower chakras represents sort of our animalistic nature and the heart is where we have compassion and that's what makes us human. And, you know, and he kind of brought up all this stuff that I was just like, okay, there's that name Joseph Campbell again. And, and that sounds like right up your alley too. Like yeah, those kinds of analogies like, oh fuck, that's a way to apply it where it's not so specific. Like, yeah, well, I'm seeing. I'm seeing like the 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 origin story. Like it's it's really cool to see the spider web kind of like clearing up and find what the 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 fly at the center of it. Like, yeah, this is really cool. <laughs> well, this and, isn't and for the, the listeners. This is just for me. Damn it! Right? Yeah. <laughs> no Patreon required. Yeah. Um, well, and the funny thing was, is at that time was when I was still trying to believe in this stuff. And I remember being kind of slightly taken aback by what he said, because he was leaning more towards that metaphorical aspect. And I was like, like kind of my mind thinking like, no, they're real and they're actually there. And there are these things. And, and, you know, I, I've never felt them before, but everyone else has that I've talked to. So they must be real, you know, and it's like, and I remember kind of feeling a little defensive about that. Like, and I think, you know, where he was trying to relate this stuff that I was kind of, you know, going off and, you know, again, probably maybe possibly to him sounded a little bit cultish, you know, where, and, you know, he was like, yeah, look, th th this idea has some value, but when he talks about it, it's about metaphor, you know? Um, but in the back of my mind, I did store that away. Like, okay, Joseph Campbell, there's a, there's a, there's that name again. So <laughs> you're going to like this. So keep in mind, this That's is been this whole session is like, I know Joel's going to like this. Yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind that this was after I have been fired from Blockbuster ah. and was told I was not allowed on the premises again. Wait, what? I don't know this story. Oh, okay. Okay. So this is, this is pre new age phase. So this was, uh, this is just so, for me. Like this, yeah, they're going to so have to right pay after, for this one. Yeah. <laughs> so right after college, I, I got a job working at a Blockbuster in uh -huh. downtown. Which I, I imagine to be clerks. Like I imagine it like it's on yeah. a get, like don't don't shatter this illusion. It's the clerks no, was, video store. Absolutely right. I mean it wasn't color, I will tell you that. <laughs> you need the blue and the yellow. Ooh. <laughs> um but Go so so I worked there for a while, uh became an assistant manager at one point. Um assistant and I started, manager. Right, yeah. And I started uh I started dating one of my coworkers and you know, we kind of kept it on the down low because you're, you're not supposed to mostly, I think because I was a manager, not just no right. employees are allowed the to power know. dynamic is yeah. it gets into. 
So, so we just kind of kept it on the down low, but then one time my manager kind of called me out about it. She was like, Oh, so what are we going to do about you and Katie? I, I know you guys are dating. Right. And I go, I'm neither going to confirm nor deny that. And that's where I left it. So my next shift, which was supposed to be at a different location, cause I was covering for someone, I show up there and she's there. And I'm like, what is she doing here? And she's like, don't bother taking your coat off. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she's like, you know, uh, oh, I'm you know, firing you for insubordination because you would not answer that question when I asked you, you know, and this and this and that. And she's like, and I was trying to, you know, that's part of why I was having you work at all these other locations because I figured if she stayed there and you worked here, then you're at different locations and it's okay and this, this, that. And she's like, but, you know, you didn't want to agree to that, so so you're fired. And, and she's like, also, you know, and I, I also don't want you, you're not allowed on, on the, the property because I don't want you bringing your negativity around to all the other workers, this, this, and that. So like, so I just put my, you know, okay, I left, I went back home and I, I, I called her and told her, I was like, yeah, I just got fired. So when my manager went back to our location, like, you know, my girlfriend and I gave her two weeks notice. She's like, yeah, I kind of figured that was going to happen. Um, and then like a few days later, I had, I had video games that I had checked out on my account. So I had to show up. I had to stand at the edge of the fucking parking lot and have her wow. walk out to get them. And I was like, can I get a receipt that I return these with your signature so that I have proof that I return them? Um, so she did. And then she was all being all casual and conversational. I was like, whatever. So that was the last time I was able to step foot like on that property. Wow. So luckily there was a Hollywood video. Yeah, Hollywood video. Hollywood video. <laughs> That's the shirt I want. <laughs> yeah. Which I think I feel like I've applied for jobs at Hollywood video too and I probably haven't gotten them to like, well wait, he was fired from Blockbuster, why do we want him here? What a so what a weird uh, like the way you you introduce that is like what salacious thing could you have yeah. done to be banned from the premises? <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, yeah, it had nothing to, it was more just because like, you know, I, I mean, I think also keep in mind too, this was, this was like, I think I was there for like two years. So this was like, you know, and, and this is part of what was shitty too, is that like my boss and I, like my, my dad had cancer and her sister had cancer. And that was something we kind of like would talk about is kind of like, oh man, this is something we're both going through. And I think it was, it was close to the point. I think like it had been, I think I worked there for about maybe a year and a half. And uh, after I left college was when I found out like my dad had cancer. And then that was like 2001 was when I graduated. He died in April of 2003. Actually, it was just the anniversary of his death a few days ago. So, and I remember like at his wake, my friends from Blockbuster and my manager came to the wake and it was after she had fired me. And it was something where wow. you know she was kind of like, oh, like I think she felt bad and this and that. Which then, of course, my friends were like afterwards, she was like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. So kind of made it about her, you know, like, oh, I you know need to put this to rest. But it's like, you know, so this was kind of um, close to the end. So like there was just like everything in my life was a mess. It was kind of like, you know, I, I left college. I'm like, yay, my life is about to start. You know, my dad was sick. You know, I, I wanted to be a film composer, had no idea how to go about doing that was instead working at a blockbuster, which under normal circumstances, it would have been a great job. And I wish I had been able to enjoy it more, but I also had higher aspirations for my life at that point, And just the, the fact of my dad being sick. So then on top of that, it's like, yeah, you're fired, you know, like, okay, sure. You know, um, so, so that was kind of like around when that happened and everything else that was going on. So yeah, like I said, this, this was before the whole new age thing. This was like right around 2003. Um, the, the good thing about getting fired is instead of just getting another retail job, I just tried to, um, 
like I talked to the, the studio where I was doing lessons. I was like, look, I just lost my, lost my job. I will take as many lessons as you can give me. I'll do beginning guitar, beginning piano, like whatever. I ended up doing like a few days a week. So I was like really kind of cranking out a lot of lessons. Um, so, so anyway, so this was kind of before all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, so this is to explain why at this point in my life, you know, sort of towards the end of this new age phase, why I wasn't going to blockbuster to rent a movie. <laughs> I was going to Hollywood. Video. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to do like an arrested development season four recut of oh, all, you just these, do it in order. all yeah. these three episodes to put it in chronological order. That's great. Yeah. I mean, if, if I wasn't so lazy, I probably would have planned it that way and written it out. So I kind of knew and <laughs> could tell the story that way. Oh, it's much more organic yeah. this way. Harder to follow, but more organic. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus, yeah, we, we don't, we wouldn't have moments like, wait, what you were fired for blockbuster. Yeah. I, I that that that's something that only this podcast has covered. Right. <laughs> the other yeah. movie centric one doesn't know that, and we're yeah. going to keep it that way. Right, it's a motor mouth exclusive, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Well, that's that's the sad part about Blockbuster is getting fired from there. And then, like I said, I and then I could never go back there. So it was like, <laughs> you know, that was the thing too. I think my boss even said, "You can go to the one like you know in this town and this town." It's like, no, I'm not going to go to Blockbuster in some other town. I'm going to go to Hollywood Video instead, which is in my town, and give them my business. <laughs> wow. So, okay. so you so were I'm going at Hollywood to Hollywood Video. Yeah, okay, Hollywood Video. And I'm walking around, and I see on the shelf "The Power of Myth" with Joseph Campbell. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, this is number three. Like, this is the third time I've, you know." And it's like, you know, and again, it's one of those things I may not that may not have ever jumped out at me if I hadn't heard his name twice, and it was already kind of swimming around in my in my mind. So I was like, "I guess I'm renting this." So take it off the shelf. I rent it. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a six episodes. It's an interview. Bill Moyers was interviewing Joseph Campbell, um, a few years before he died. I think, I think he died back in like 87 or 89, somewhere in that window, like late eighties. So these were being recorded a little bit before that. I think it was released after Joseph Campbell died. Um, so just to give you a time frame of when this was taking place, um, and they were recorded at Skywalker Ranch, which was really cool. Um, and there's also a bonus interview with George Lucas because George Lucas was, you know, uh, or Joseph Campbell was a friend and mentor of George Lucas. So you could see where all this is tying into Star Wars. And I'm like, oh my god, like th- this this has to do with Star Wars. Like not only is it like you know, uh, you know, that's just that's the, the main reason I know about Joseph Campbell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that you know, and that and that makes sense. And it, you know, at this point, like it hadn't, yeah, it hadn't found its way that way you know again because i think at that point you know i wasn't scouring the internet looking for like theories about star wars you know i had seen them and it was like they are what they are and that's it you know but this was like you know like, uh, doing a deep dive you know kind of like you know like um you know yeah again the inspiration of the inspiration kind of thing um so so that's what le- what what, what kind of led led me to that like oh okay like this is the thing i can take home you know i heard this guy's name but and i think in in I don't know that I did, but if I had done a search for Joseph Campbell, he probably would have come up with a list of books and it's like, okay, like that's great. But where do I start? Do I have time? You know, whereas this was like, boom, here it is right in your lap, $3 and you can watch these six episodes. So I took it home and I watched it and I think I, you know, I, I must've been blown away by it. I don't, I don't remember my initial response. I think because I've seen it so many times since, um, but it, it definitely stuck with me. And, and th- this is sort of the other funny part of this story too. And why I have to talk about uh, not just, Oh yeah, I happen to watch this. So I think I, I don't know if I either rented it a bunch of times or 
you know, at one point I, uh, uh, returned it late or something. And I remember going and there was, there was a woman who worked there who I think was about my age. And I, I, I didn't want to be a creep. So I wouldn't say I like flirted with her, but we would chat when I would go there. And I, you know, I was very friendly with her. She was friendly with me. And I remember going in there and being like, I forget how I worded this, but I was like, I was like, Hey, I've rented this so many times. Like, can I order it this and that? And she was like, Oh, it's unavailable. And I was like, I was like, cause I just, you know, and uh, you know, I think I was kind of like, you know, kind of hinting at this whole, like, I really want to own this. And she was like, Oh, so, so what you're saying is you lost it and you can't find it and you need to pay the replacement fee of $10. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> so she, all right, that'll be $10. I was like, here you go. She's like, okay. And that so, shit wouldn't have happened at Blockbuster. No. <laughs> and so the funny thing, and, and I'll have to remember this next time we can see each other in person. I want to show you the case. It has the Hollywood sticker. It's the original case from when it was rented out from Hollywood video. That's awesome. Um, and, you know, and I, and I remembered that because like I previously watched it this week again to lead up to this. And I had to, it was its actual DVD. I had to physically take it out of the case. And I was like, oh, wow. When's the last time I watched a DVD? You know? um, so, so anyway, uh, so, so yeah, so his whole thing, you know, so yes, he's known so for. So this week for, you watched Godzilla versus Kong and. <laughs> I watched Joseph Campbell first and then Godzilla versus Kong. What a double feature. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's more of a septuple feature because I watched each episode, there's six episodes and I watched them one day at a time. Um, That's great. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and, and again, it, it took a while for me to really acknowledge what was happening kind of mentally to my psyche and you know because like there, there you know you kind of expose yourself to something and it, it clicks it resonates with you and you're it doesn't necessarily change your way of thinking uh, on this conscious level it's kind of working its way into your subconscious and that's that's part of his whole thing too you know he studies a lot of you know like uh, a lot of Jung, and it's like this is it's all about the subconscious and that's sort of where these myths arise from and why there are these similarities they they grow out of the subconscious of humans which is the same all over the world the you know the the the, the dressing of the story is different you know but the core of it i think he says at one point like the seed is the same um, you know, but, but it's the, the myths are different, but because that's all localized, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the idea that it's like, uh, and, 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 and again, it's like one of those things where you kind of look back on it. It's like, I mean, and, and I think a lot of these things, it's not, it doesn't teach you anything new, but you, you remember things that you've forgotten, you know, or, or, you know, if you're not secure enough to be like this, you know, kind of to make this declarative statement, this is how I view the world and existence and, and religion, yada, 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 you know, but, you know, to kind of have it put, put in that perspective where it's like, you know, that, that, that was his whole thing is that it's not, you know, these things aren't real to him and not that he knows it for a fact, but the fact that he can, be this sort of, you know, they talk about him being spiritual and, and, you know, and and his experience of life. And I think at one point he even talks about life being about experience, which is something that was also mentioned in, you know, conversations with God, where it's like, it's not about sitting there and sort of praying all day and being like, Oh, I can't wait till I get to heaven. You know, it's, it's about being human and living your life and having experiences. And that's the point of being here. Um, And it was just, it was, you know, I think a lot of times it's just, it's nice to have this confirmation that, that other people think the same way you do, you know? And, and that was sort of the thing is that like, 
you know, I, I, I had kind of gone in this one, one road down, you know, again, there were, there were books that different friends of mine had introduced me to, and I read all of those books, you know, so it was this kind of smattering of ideas from different people that I could have talked to. And then from there launched myself into this world where most of my friends and family, I think probably seemed pretty lost to them and they probably didn't know what the fuck I was talking about a lot of the time because they're just like, this, this isn't you, you know, not just, not just they didn't understand, but it's like, right. I, they probably didn't get why it was coming from me. And, and I was such a, and I look back on conversations I had with people and I was just like, the fuck was my problem back then? You know? And, um, it, yeah, I just, you know, I, I, there are a lot of times where I just don't like who I was and I'm really, I'm really grateful. A lot of my friends stuck with me because not that I was a complete asshole, but I was just, as, as it was just fucking weird and all off in space and not making sense half the time, you know, because, and, and not because they were, and that's the, the difference is that it wasn't because I was like speaking my truth. Like I didn't make sense to myself half the time because I, I didn't believe half of what I was saying and had no, no experience to back up half of what I was saying. Um, so then you can, you know, I kind of came to this and this was, it became like this sort of source of comfort for me to kind of watch this and, you know, and, and feel again, like I felt before all of this new age stuff where I was just kind of resonating with these ideas and it like, it made sense of the way I was kind of already viewing life, but didn't know how to put it into words. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so till eventually it was kind of like, oh, okay, this is, this is what the deal is. And then, introducing those ideas to the people like, you know, my girlfriend at the time and, and the other people and kind of starting to see the kind of disconnect happening where it's just like, you know, yeah. Like for me, it's not about whether or not these characters are real. It's what they represent, you know? And, um, you know, it's, you know, so, and, and that's one of the reasons I think I mentioned before, while I still, I still reference the, the chakra system, even though I've never felt these energy centers within my body, but what they represent and the way you can kind of visualize them and apply them to your life, like it is a nice way to kind of make sense in the, in the, the hierarchy of them and things like that. And again, that's something, you know, Joseph Campbell referenced and, and in this video is, you know, and I, I remember this when I watched him the other day, like he is the part where he talks about, oh, you know, ascending through the chakras and getting to the heart chakra and it's the virgin birth. It's where we go from being animals to humans because of compassion. And it was all that stuff my teacher had said, you know, that kind of mentioned in passing that back then, like I said, I got defensive. It's like, hey, this is going against this idea that all these things are real and and it was like, no, here he is kind of talking about this, this metaphor. It was like, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and it's about what the thing represents, you know, and, um, you know, and he talks about, you know, myths from many cultures and he's this expert on all these myths and he'll kind of break down to, okay, here's this story. Well, what does it represent? Well, this represents this. And then this is about this, um, or, or he'll tell stories from, you know, many different religions or cultures that you recognize elements, you know, again, like growing up Roman Catholic, like, you know, you find out that there are other myths all over the world that has the, have the idea of death and resurrection for, you know, within their, you know, their characters. And, you know, it's not a purely Catholic idea, you know, and which of course, you know, led to different interpretations of the matrix because originally, again, you have the idea of Neo, you know, dying and being resurrected in the first movie. So of course mm -hmm. you're like, oh, this is a reference to Jesus. But that's like, no, this is a reference to every character from every mythology all over the world who has died and resurrected. Like Neo's just on the hero's journey. Like that's mm -hmm. that's what the connection is. It's not specifically to Catholicism. It's 
it's another myth, you know, it's another packaging of that same, that same, you know, seed idea, whatever, you know, whatever he calls it, you know? Um, so, you know, so it, it was a way to kind of reframe all of these, the things that, you know, before all this was, you know, used to make sense to me. And then when I was told like, Oh yeah, all this stuff is real. And then I felt like, well, if it's real, why can't I experience any of it? Right. And then now it's kind of like, Oh, it doesn't. And, and that's the other thing too, is that I don't, I don't, you know, I would never say, oh yeah, I know none of that stuff is real, but it doesn't matter. You know, if it's real and if someone's experiencing it, it's like, okay, good for you. I'm not going to argue with you and say, you know, oh, you know, you say Archangel Michael came and talked to you last night. I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I'm also not going to build my belief system based around the fact that that you said this happened to you. Therefore, I should believe that it's real. Literal hearsay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that hearsay and heresy are so close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's kind of where, where it kind of finally brought me. And, you know, and the other thing I want to say too, is because I, one of the things I've realized, I think I can't remember if I mentioned this in one of the last two sessions is that, um, you know, the idea of, you know, there, there are many books that I've read that have all have ideas that I really like. And I think the problem is when people will focus on one book in particular, like this one book has all the answers. And that's sort of the thing I've tried to steer away from is like, again, I've read many books and a lot of them have a lot of good ideas. And again, it's about kind of what, what resonates with me, not like, well, this is what this book says. So I have to believe this. Um, and I also want to make the distinction that it's not like Joseph Campbell has become my new God and my new focus. But I think the importance of him is that he was the thing that after all of this mess kind of snapped me back and said, like, you know, here, you know, this is what sense you can make of all this stuff. All this stuff that you've been learning is not a waste, but you've got to kind of change the perspective of how you're relating it to your life and was a way to put, you know, put everything in context where it's not like, oh, this is garbage. This is useless information. No, it's like, it's, 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 you know, again, it's, it's how you interpret the story. Um, and, uh, you know, and also the idea, you know, even for me, like as, as a composer, I, I very often feel like I'm not a composer the way a lot of other composers are composers. And I've noticed kind of through notices throughout certain points in my life is that I think more than anything, like I'm, I'm a storyteller, you know, and, and sometimes the story I'm telling takes the form of music. But it's like, you know, and, and I think I've said this before, like, I like writing. I don't like writing things I'm kind of told to write. That's why I don't think I could ever be a professional writer where it's, you know, like the way John does it, where he can just crank out all these articles. And, you know, like he is a legit writer and he can write about whatever the thing is. Like, I like writing to tell stories. If I have a story to tell, I will write, tell that story. Um, and that seems to be more the common thread that, with me than, a, oh, you just are a composer at your core. You know, the composing tends to be one way in which I tell stories. Um, and, and, you know, and that's kind of part of what also just kind of clicked with me too, is that, you know, it, yeah, it's not about like, okay, I'm gonna, uh, you know, do this thing and heal all these people and put hands on people and make all these sounds. And, and I mean, maybe, maybe some of the music I write will have effects on people, but I also think that the way to go about doing that isn't necessarily like, okay, I've got to, I've got to heal you know, the world and I've got to do this. And, you know, if it happens, it happens and that's great, but it's, it's not, you know, um, and I think this is also, again, like where I was getting lost in that other thing too, with the whole ego part of it, isn't necessarily just that I want to be, you know, I want people to look at me as this great person, but it's like, I, 
I have stories to tell that I want to tell, but when it's like, well, no, your story isn't what's important. It's, it's, you know, this, this angel and this deity and what they're saying, and you've got to tell people what, and it's just like, you know, um, then again, people might say, oh, well, your story that you're telling is really just so-and-so speaking through you. And it's like, fine, if that's how you want to believe it, go right ahead. But whatever is going to get that story out of me, you know, that's, that's what's important, you know? Um, so with all that, just to kind of not bring it home, but kind of centralize it, hmm. would you say that the center of the philosophy that you now follow and continue to work through is that the meaning of life is to tell stories? Uh, I, I don't know if I, that I'd say the meaning of life, um, and again, I think part of the, the, you know, the idea of the meaning of life, I think it is different for every person, you know, and that's, I think, I think that's also one of the core things too. And one of the reasons why religion bothers me is that, you know, it's not like this thing that you can casually experiment with. And if you do, people tend to look down on you. It's like, you know, it's like, no, you have to be in it. And this has to be the one thing and you have to devote yourself to it. You know, And I think, you know, I think the whole point, of, of life and existence is, is supposed to be different for everybody, you know? And I think if anything, maybe that's why we have different religions because, you know, there isn't, there isn't one thing that's right. You know, and they talk about that all the time, like the whole different parts of the elephant kind of thing. Uh, there was actually a funny story that Joseph Campbell told where uh, this man walks down the street wearing a hat that's red on one side, blue on the other. And the people working on either side's like, Oh, did you see the man with the red hat? No, he didn't have a red hat. He had a blue hat and he starts fighting over it. And to cause more trouble, he walks back the other way, but he turns his hat around to confirm the color of the hat to either side. And they're fighting over it. And then eventually he's like, okay, I was messing with you guys. It's, it's the same hat, but different, you know? Um, and he was kind of, you know, mentioning him as like a trickster God, you know? Um, but, but I think, you know, I think the, the, the lesson to take from that is that acknowledgement that it's like, you know, this is what I'm seeing. This is what my experience is, um, which is, is valid, but it's not absolute, you know, it shouldn't be what you're trying to project on other people, you know? Um, and that's why I kind of like, you know, for example, like one of the, 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 my perspectives now on the idea of like, you know, these deities and, you know, kind of all of it, whether it's like angels and, or, you know, you know, Hindu gods and, and Jesus and all that stuff is like, I don't know if that any of that stuff is real, but to me, it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether or not it's real. I would never say that I know for a fact it's not real, but again, because what's important is the story that's being told about them and how that relates to my life and how I can potentially live my life differently and work through things because of those stories. So, and, you know, and I kind of like where I am now with Catholicism. Like, I still see issues with it as an institution and the, the harm that it is doing to lots of groups of people. But it doesn't mean that, like, oh, we should just never hear the stories of Jesus again, because there's a lot of cool stories and a lot of good lessons that are contained in there. And, and if you can look at those lessons and learn something from that lesson, you shouldn't disregard those stories and those lessons just because the thing that was built around it you know, that's, that's been, you know, become this kind of, you know, this, this machine, this institution, you know, um, you know, I, I think you, you know, you could be doing yourself a disservice by closing yourself off from those things. If there's something to be learned or something good potentially in that, but again, it's in the story. It's not in, you know, the, the priest you're going to talk to who says, well, I know what you should be doing with your life because I'm a priest and I've gone through this. It's like, right. no, like take the story, read it for yourself, see what parallels come up in your life and, you know, what turns you can take and whatever. Um, yeah. So, 
and, and, and again, for me, it just so happens that one of, you know, one of my purposes or part of my purpose, however you want to put it, you know, is, is to tell stories. And, and I think that's why I'm so into, to metaphor is not just as like a hobby, but like when I'm trying to tell a story, I'm, I'm trying to be aware of, okay, what could this possibly represent? But also the idea, I think one of the, one of the catch 22s with, with working in that way is you have to be aware that other people are going to interpret your stories differently, you know, and that's the point of them. And, and that's sort of an acknowledgement I had a while ago, um, I think when I was younger, I would write a piece of music and someone would be like, oh, well, I hear this, this, and this. And at first I would get all offended. Like, no, that's not what I meant. You're supposed to hear this. But it's like, no, no, that that's the point is they're supposed to hear what they hear. You know, I'm supposed to put out the thing based on sort of what I need to hear and what I, what I intend. But it's the, the point of it is not for everyone to get what I want them or to see what I want them to see you know, cause I think that's the harmful ego is that like, you know, my point of view is the most important thing. It's like, well, no, my point of view is going to fuel the story. The most important thing is for people to see in that story, whatever their point of view is. And, you know, like the, the way I've kind of, uh, the way I put it back when I had this realization is that art is, is it's a mirror, you know, like I create a mirror because I want to see myself in it, you know, and other people see themselves in it, not see me. You know, you shouldn't see me in my art or my stories. You should see yourself in it, you know, mm. or in, in myths and, and all that stuff. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, that's sort of what, again, I think what the myths are supposed to do. You're not supposed to read a story and be like, oh, I, this really connects to me on this level and have someone say, no, no, it's about this. And this is what you're supposed to do. This is what this story is telling you to do. Mm. And that's, again, that's the problem I have with religions that they're, they're sort of taking these, these stories and, you know, and, and kind of, uh, and I've definitely seen people who have different interpretations of the same story that are kind of sanctified, but you know, you're, yeah, you're, you're not allowed to be like, Oh, well, I read this story and this is what I took from it. So this is how I'm going to live my life. And it's like, no, that, you know, if it falls out of that, uh, that jurisdiction, then no, that's not allowed, you know? Um, uh, and, you know, blasphemy, you know, and that's, and that, you know, and that is, uh, you know, one of the things that, that, that Joseph Campbell does talk about that really kind of struck with me is like, that's, that is, that is what he puts the problem on is when people, uh, I wish, I wish I remember the wordage he used for it, but, 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 you know, when they're getting stuck in the, the, you know, the story of the myth as, as, yeah, as being fact, he put it in a much mm -hmm. more eloquent way as opposed to the, the story being a vehicle for kind of the underlying point. Um, but, you know, but again, you know, it's like, and, and that's the thing too, is like, I've always loved the imagery of like all of these Hindu gods and, and angels and, and, you know, in heaven and hell and angels versus demons and all of this stuff. And, you know, for a while it was kind of ruined for me because it was just like, well, they're supposedly real, but people are experiencing it. And I'm not, but now it's like, no, it's back to this, you know, what do they represent? What do they, you know, what do they mean in the story? What can you see in them? You know, what can you learn from them? You know, one, one other thing I did want to mention too, and I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to go to too much detail about this because I don't have an explanation for it, but I will say that uh, after having watched Joseph Campbell every day for like a, almost a week straight, uh, there was, there was a point where I was aware of my, my mind like shifting. And I remember I noticed it like with my OCD, like it was still there and I was aware of it, but it was, you know, they kind of say kind of being the observer, you know, kind of observing yourself dealing with a, an emotion. Zooming out. 
Yeah. And I noticed that it was like, it was, it was causing this, this shift. And I think part of it, you know, maybe also one of the things to take from it is this idea of, okay, you're being shown something at face value, but there's something underneath that. There's something beneath it, you know, and, and, you know, that, that kind of way of looking at the world, you know, and it's a, you know, like we've talked about before, like, okay, is there a God? Isn't there a God? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. No, there definitely isn't. Yes, there definitely is, you know, within all these things, you know, there's, there's, there's something behind this all. You know, there's, there's, there's gotta be not gotta be in terms of fact. I, I think when I say gotta be, it's like, I think I've said this before, too. I'd be very disappointed if, if all we have is this, <laughs> that there's, there's nothing, you know, kind of more substantial to this, you know? Um, and, and again, I don't know what that is, but I feel like there's still something there. And I'm, I'm going to at least play around with the idea that there's something there, you know? And, and I think, you know, that idea working its way, you know, the way these stories work, like, okay, you're given this story at face value, but there's a, a point that lies underneath that you're supposed to get. And that sometimes that point works its way into your subconscious. And then that's where it kind of, and I, and I, I kind of felt that happening to me this week where I was kind of, yeah, I just, I felt differently. And again, I don't want to go too much detail because I can't, I don't want to talk about it too much because I feel like I also can't explain it all that well. Mm-hmm. But I just remember having this acknowledgement of like, this, this has been altering my brain, like in a good way, you know? Um, and again, not like it's, it's, it's making me believe something, you know, it's not brainwashing me. It's more that it's, it, I always feel like it's, it's reminding me of things I knew, you know? And part of that's just the fact that I've seen it before. So every time I hear it, it's like, oh yeah, I remember this part. But, but at a core level, you know, like, oh yeah, I used to look at the universe this way and it made sense to me. And then I went to work and forgot all about that because, you know, and and it's like, yeah, but this, this is kind of the thing, you know, Um, it's very similar. Like what I've come to is a very kind of like armchair philosophy, armchair spiritualism, like very lazy, not, not doing any of the work that you've done. Right. Like this, this whole saga, and I I say that lovingly is, (laughs) has been about you kind of seeking answers where I'm, I'm very lazy. And a lot of it was, I spent a lot of time being forced into places that claimed that they had with the whole, like Mm -hmm. the, the, um, listless churchless church homelessness that we experienced that a lot of, and then I found philosophy and it, which was just like it, it was belief and and rationalization, but unlocked by this very strange like Rene Descartes. The what is it? Articles on his very very thin green book that I have over here, where he mm-hmm. talks about like this very circular like it's just as likely that there is a god that than there is a a uh, malevolent being who's making everything shitty for you. Mm-hmm which just broke my brain when I read that. And I love that. So it just, it just engendered this creativity, this imagination of like things being possible and the, the work of the thought experiment being where it's at and, and coming to just when you stop living your life, feeling guilty about every fucking thought you have, like you just, it's great. It helps. But that doesn't make you a worse person because you still have morals and you still want to act in a certain way and you don't want to you don't want to be cruel. You want to be kind and generous and 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 uh, giving and interact with people in a positive light. Those things like 
there's a lot of nature nurture stuff going on in there, but like the pseudo, not pseudo spiritualism, but like the thing that I keep landing on and I keep, I talk down to it as a, as a, a projection of insecurity about it. Cause I can't defend it, but it's the yes. Thank you. thing, The living presently, the be here now idea. And I, I haven't read be here now, but it's that idea that like, every moment is a gift in trying to live present. And it's something that it's a constant struggle and it's it's very simplistic, but I don't think it has to be complicated. Right. Like, right. I, and it's also like, it, it is complicated to live presently, to not think about the 87 things you have to do today, your indigestion, the diarrhea that you had, the fact that your bills aren't paid, the, the cat is scratching you. Like, Mm-hmm. has he eaten has or is do we need to brush his fur do, do we need to uh, change his water like all of the like it, it's not an overly simplistic idea to to just experience and, and allow things to to happen and experience them and be fe- grateful for them that's another thing with the ego we talked about sorry i'm not trying to like no. grab the reins too much but just like kind of what i'm you're you're talking about like processing the world and kind of zooming out from this experience that your brain is interpreting the things around in the stimuli and the experiences, which are valuable as metaphors for how to better yourself and move forward and how to incorporate those into your world view. So it's a, it's a journey. It's continuing. There's no end point. And, and similarly to what, what I'm, I've kind of come to is this kind of this idea of the present, the, the struggle to live presently. And I think it is a struggle. I think it's very, and again, I've talked about in the past, like it's a very privileged position to say, yes, thank you to everything that happens to you. Like this, if you break your arm, it's hard to say, yes, thank you to that. Cause it fucking hurts. Like mm-hmm. you have stimuli and you're the, the universe thinging, being the thing that things itself is thinging you and it hurts. Like, and, and it, so it, just kind of the, it's a continual journey and it's more of a mic, like i guess micro thing like moment to moment and i don't again i i I struggle with the small self it's one whose back hurts and is tired and is in traffic and doesn't really want to say yes thank you to things and not just experience and you get in that thing like i just want to be lazy today i don't want to think about anything i want to put the office on and just zone out like it's it's those those things kind of at war, like, cause you are a person, you are a perspective, you are experienced life. And sometimes not experiencing presently is part of the experience too. So it, it's, I'm just trying to relate a little bit to kind of the idea that like, as, as observers, as people with, as, as entities with perspective and how we're translating the information, I think when we live presently, it's very similar to finding metaphors that apply to our lives and try to make us better is that, you're you're thankful for every moment and you can see the value in every moment in the same way that you can see the value in the story and the metaphor behind it or the intention behind it and interpreting that in a way that we can interact with the world more positively and move forward and continue to grow that way. <laughs> so these are heavy, man. These, these yeah. three are like, we don't have a next, listenership next, right uh, now, but like we like, next time will be much lighter. <laughs> um, what one fun thing I do want to bring up, and you know, going back to the the, the Star Wars part of it, that, well, this so, is fun. I'm not saying yeah. this isn't fun. <laughs> no, but uh, so one of the things that Joseph Campbell brought up is the well, first of all, 
uh, they talked about the idea of like, you know, Jesus being tempted by the devil, but then I guess Buddha was also tempted. So that idea of temptation is an, is an archetype that kind of runs through. Um, and then in um, Empire Strikes Back, when Darth Vader is tempting Luke to come to the dark side mm-hmm. and, you know, how he's saying how, how Darth Vader represents, you know, like represents, you know, society, the machine, you know, the idea of like, you know, Oh, like if you're part of this system, you will be powerful, you know, so come join me and be powerful as part of the system, you know, kind of the way, you know, the devil's like, Oh, if you worship me, you can rule the, all the, you know, this, this whole land, this can be yours as long as you worship me. Um, but then the, you know, the hero's choice to make is to say, no, I'm going to take the hard road because this is what is right. And this is what I believe in and to kind of, you know, reject the system, which is going to kind of grind you down and you know, eat you up and spit you out, you know? And, and yeah, there is a power that, that is in that within that system, but it's like, yeah, I'd rather be struggling outside of this garbage system than be powerful within the system. Um, so that was like a, a fun little detail. And then uh, one other thing I wanted to make, because this was one of the, I was like, oh, I need to remember, I, I, I need to make sure I say this. So within that, when I was talking about before, how like I kind of felt my, my mind shifting and I was like, you know, um, one of the things that I thought of, and this was also in the realm of like other creative ideas I was having and how like inspired I was feeling in a different way that I had felt in a while. Um, so I kind of, you know, it kind of occurred to me and I've, I've rethought a lot of, a lot of myths and a lot, especially, you know, the Catholic stories, cause that's what I grew up on in my head and they're very present. Um, but I was thinking about sort of the, like the Adam and Eve and the, you know, the tree of knowledge and all that stuff. And something sort of occurred to me is that like in the story, you know, like, and, and Joseph Campbell talked about how, like when God, you know, asked Adam, like, did you eat the, the fruit? And he's like, Oh, but Eve gave it to me. And he's like, Oh, Eve, did you eat the fruit? And she's like, Oh, but you know, the, the serpent gave it to me. You know, he's talking about this idea of passing the book, you know, mm-hmm. but, but something else occurred to me too, is that what if the point of that was not because God said, don't eat the fruit. You weren't supposed to eat the fruit. What if the idea of it is, you know, it, it was a test of, of character that, you know, eventually you're going to disobey and eat the fruit. But what, what do you say when God's like, did you eat the fruit? You do say, yeah, I know you told me not to, but I did it anyway, you know? And what if that had been the response that it would have been like, all right, good job, you know, but instead both of them say like, well, oh, it's because that person told me to. So the actual original sin was doing what someone else told you to do. Oh, shit. And, you know, the idea that, that it or wasn't claiming that that's why you did it. It wasn't because you wanted to or or you didn't own yeah, they, it. Right? They did, yeah, they didn't think of it until, you know, Eve didn't think of it until the serpent was like, you should do this. And she was like, oh, OK. Um, and, you know, it kind of ties in. I think I've said this before, like with a lot of, you know, kids, when they start developing a sense of independence, they do the opposite of what their parents tell them to. Not because it's what they want to do, but it's because it's the opposite of what their parents say. But it's not necessarily who they are like making right. that as a choice isn't necessarily making you more, you, you know, yourself. Um, you know, it's, it, you know, maybe it's somewhere in the middle, maybe some of the choices your parents would make for you, you're going to, you're going to disregard, but some of them you're like, yeah, no, that makes sense. I should do that. You know, should look both ways before I cross the street. I shouldn't not do that just because my parents told me it's a good idea. Um, so, you know, and that kind of worked its way together with a lot of the, you know, again, like where I was, you know, where I was at mentally and with all of this stuff and where I've been in, in my life lately. And, um, you know, because of COVID and my previous job and all this kind of stuff is like, you know, yeah, this idea of 
you know, the, the, the hero's journey, yes, is to say no to, to the system. And, you know, the hero's journey is to make, make your own choices, not say like, you know, Hey, you should do this. Okay. If someone says I should do it, I should do it because they must know better than me or whatever, you know, and that, you know, again, and I think the, also, like I said, the idea is that the, the, the sin wasn't doing the opposite of what God told them. It was because they just did it as a blind follower of what someone else told them to do, you know, in, in being easily manipulated. Whereas I think, yeah, like if it would, you know, maybe it was, uh, you know, it, the, the temptation was there, you know, are you going to do it? Because you're like, yeah, this is, and, and I think that's, I've heard about that too, like as a stage of growth, as you're maturing, you know, there's the point where you do something, uh, even though you're not supposed to, you know, as opposed to not doing something because you're, you know, you're not supposed to, and kind of, you know, when you cross that line where I say, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, because I have a reason. And because, you know, it's, you know, but again, are you doing it for yourself? Or are you doing it because someone told you to, you know, um, which, you know, so again, like, I think that's, you know, in, in sort of my view of the world and my kind of taking in all this stuff and spitting it out, that's kind of one of the things that I'm, uh, holding on to, I guess, is a core truth is that, you know, like if you're, and, and this comes to the other thing, I guess, full circle from back at the beginning is that one of the, one of the, the, the statements he keeps retur- referring to is, you know, to, to follow your bliss, you know, which I feel like is a phrase that's been co-opted by, you know, every bolder, you know, yoga person, you know, and I, I, you know, and it's just this idea that it's like, you know, I, I, I cringe when I hear it now because of kind of, you know, it's kind of like we talked about before the whole idea about namaste. It's just kind of used as this like initiation, like, Oh, I've said this word because I'm part of this culture, not really kind of acknowledging what it is. And not that everybody who says follow your bliss is is full of crap, but um, you know, but that, that idea of like, if you're, if you're making a choice that is, you know, sort of from, from your core, you know, it's, it, it's going to be the right choice. You know, even if God tells you not to do something and you're like, no, I believe with my whole being, this is the thing I'm supposed to do. It is the right thing to do. You know, and if, and if, and if God's telling you not to do it, then it's probably, you know, a test in that sense, a test of your metal. You know, do you, do you have the balls to go against? Do you want to do this thing so bad that you will go against what God is telling you to do? You know, you, you know, you will, you will fight God for this thing. Then mm-hmm. that is probably the thing you should be doing. You know, as opposed to, are you going to do this because someone's like, oh, hey, do this thing. Like, all right, I guess so. Might as well. You know, that's probably not what you're supposed to be doing. So what the fuck do I know? (laughs) (laughs) That was a great saga. I I don't want to be like, it's it's impossible to end that segment. Like, I'm not going to even attempt. Like, that was great. I, I really, again, I appreciate every time you bring something super intimate and super personal and it's a jumping off point for, I mean, I, it, it's some, like, I, I like that this is equal parts nerd shit and equal parts spiritual. Like I, I'm really enjoying that. And I think it's a great, like, I don't know I, if, if for no other reason than getting to know my friend better, like if, if that's all it is, then that's fine. Like I, yeah. it, <laughs> <laughs> and there's no metaphor behind that. It's just great. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> so Godzilla versus Kong. We'll, we'll do round two. I want to put in like a, a Mortal Kombat S. Like, yeah. Round two. <laughs> Fight. Come here. 
<laughs> I'm excited for that movie. Speaking yeah. of Warner Brothers releases, I've I've never seen the original, so I kind of want to watch that and then mm-hmm. the new one and skip Annihilation because apparently that one's garbage. Right, um, right, right. Yeah, but no, it looks good. I mean, the fact that Sub Zero froze a dude's blood into a knife and then stabbed them with it, I'm in. <laughs> um. But for two other like uh, uh, bodies colliding violently, <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong came out recently. Uh, when this is going to come out, it's it's been a couple months. But so by then, spoilers should not be a, a problem. Um, I through the pandemic, I've seen three, three or four movies. Yeah, I guess Tyne and I went to see. Um, they did the bird cage at Alamo draft house for Valentine's day, which has kind of become a, a, a tradition an annual tradition for me and Tina. We love oh, that nice. movie. And then for my birthday, I rented out uh, an Alamo and we watched um, Jurassic park with mm. a bunch of my friends, which was cool. Um, and then I saw terror of Mecha Godzilla like two weeks before the release of Godzilla versus Kong, which is an incredible Toho, like a vintage uh, uh, Godzilla movie involving it's the second appearance of mecha godzilla and i think titan titanosaurus something like that is the the name of the other one and there's androids and there's aliens it's great um there's a great line that's uh, i know you're an android but i still love you which is one of the best lines in any any movie period but also the best lines in in uh godzilla movie sounds like um, a line from if if Tina Belcher wrote a Godzilla. Movie. <laughs> it's definitely erotic friend fiction material yeah. there for sure. The butt's Something. so big it destroyed yep. the city. Yeah, <laughs> isn't there? There is a kaiju because uh, when the kids do like a storytelling thing, at one point there's a kaiju. I think it's the one where oh, they're trying to convince Teddy that he's a good handyman and that he should fix the thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's like a water world analog and there's a Godzilla ver- version and I can't, but yeah. Anyway, huge distraction. <laughs> uh, so I got to see, I, I obviously this was released both um, on HBO through Warner brothers um, streaming, but also in the theaters. I was really excited. And I, I really wanted to see it in the theaters. So I got tickets. I got to see it in the theater. And everybody I know either watched it digitally the day before or hasn't watched it or watched it a week later, as is the case with Tim. Or I said today. <laughs> and oh shit, it's it's that fresh. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Sweet. So you'll you'll help me kind of fill in the gaps um of the hollow earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I I don't know if we should just talk about our history with this the legendary franchise. Uh that might be a good end to it, but like the the short and long of it is like fucking great. I enjoy oh, yeah. it quite a bit. I will watch it again and again and again and again. Um, yeah, <laughs> great on screen. Like I I am so glad that I got to see it on theater, like it on a big screen. It was just epic, exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, my history with the franchise is I saw Godzilla twenty fourteen in IMAX. Uh, I saw it with my buddy Zeke. Zeke was actually, he was really happy with the release of the uh, uh, New Year's Eve or New Year's Resolution episode that we referenced him. He's like, oh, I got a shout out, which was cool. So (laughs) we're doing it again, Zeke. So he and I went to see it in IMAX. We came out really disappointed and bored. We went right back in the theater and watched Neighbors right afterwards. And that was a much better film, in our opinion. 
Um, I really liked Kong Skull Island. I think that might be mm. the best movie in these franchise. This 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 new one might be close second in contention for the first. And I really liked King of the Monsters. Um, just a little obscura, like they they seem to drench all of these monsters in uh, uh, rain and wind and storms for some reason behind waterfalls which I think is just really kind of flies in the face of the history of because the whole thing is monsters clashing against each other after, after the initial first one, which was this nuclear uh, commentary, nuclear fallout commentary. The rest of it is, is monster versus monster with commentaries and aliens and all these things. But I mean, they were really proud of those builds. Like they were guys in rubber suits and full, full daylight in on with miniatures. Like they were really proud of those monsters. And I think that's really sad that, with the amount of technology that we have to roll into CGI for us not to see Ghidorah in full view. I mean, it's a great build. Like, I mean, it looks incredible, but you don't see it for that very long in that movie. So I enjoyed it, but it was also rewatching it recently. I was like, it's a lot better than I remember it, but still convoluted. They always have problems with the the human storylines. Huh? Tim, what is your uh, uh, origin story with the franchise? Um, so yeah, I never, I never, I never seen any of the originals. I think the first Godzilla film I saw was the Matthew Broderick one. Right. Um, That's a lot of fish. Then, yeah, my favorite. <laughs> was that was that a Thank callback to that when when uh, in this one when when Kong is sitting on the carrier and he just like scoops up a handful of fish? Was that? I doubt it. I doubt they're first seeing that movie. But there's a little. When they when they get into the skull, uh, what is it, skull crawlers or whatever, oh, and yeah. they're like in the eggs. I was like, oh shit, are they referencing ninety eight? The the <laughs> in oh. Madison Square Garden with the babies and the eggs. I, I thought that was a nod, but it didn't end up being. But no, no they want to um, distance themselves from that as yeah, much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> no one loves that movie like I do. Um. So yeah. So I'm not sure if if that one, like the the um. Brian Cranston one or, Mech, or uh, uh, Shin Godzilla came first. I mean, you could probably you probably know off the top of your head. Um, Shin Shin was 2018, so Cranston was 2014. Okay, so yeah, so I had I'd seen the Brian Cranston one soon after it came out. Like I remember like being like, all right, that looks badass. Like sure, um, and then yeah, we've we of course of course watched Shin Godzilla, and then I didn't. Um, I didn't end up seeing Kong in the theaters. It was one of those I was kind of interested, never kind of missed it. And I think it was on HBO for a while, then it went away and I missed it again. Um, but then uh, the, the Godzilla King of Monsters was on uh, uh, HBO and I watched that. I, I, I dug it. I mean, I, remember, I think we talked about this too. Like, I feel like that one had a lot of like perspective issues where like the monsters just didn't feel very big. I think because there was so many of them and you were looking at them from so far away all the time and they weren't, maybe they weren't around enough building. I don't know. Just, it just seemed like, okay, this is and they cool. they sent it a fucking not... Penway. Fenway. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's not for scale. Yeah. <laughs> the big green monster is not that big. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, like, you know, it was, it was just kind of like, okay, it was kind of cool, but I didn't, it didn't seem as scary as some of the others do. I think that was like the difference or like we, yeah, I compared it like to Cloverfield where the monster was smaller, right. but because you always knew like, you know, he was always right around with the people and you're always like, Oh man. Um, 
And then finally Kong came back to uh, HBO and I finally watched it. And I was like, Oh man, like this is, this is great. Like Kong was, was my, was my favorite um, until this one. I think this one, you know, not that Kong wasn't as good, but it was, it was great. It kind of tied everything I liked about Kong, you know, brought it to, to present day, brought in Godzilla. Uh, I feel like the, the scale would seem better. Like I definitely felt, like how big they were and, and, you know, the fact that they were like kind of in the thick of it, like right in between the buildings, you know, it just, it, it seemed, yeah, it seemed scary. Um, yeah, I, just, I, I loved it. I loved, I loved how it brought all the other stuff together, you know, all the other little pieces that were kind of the chess pieces being put into place, which, you know, some of them were cool. Sometimes I felt like with the others, like, I felt like you were supposed to know a lot of the Godzilla like history. Mm. Like I did feel like a little bit lost, like, okay, there's something I'm not getting. Um, whereas with this one, it's like, okay, like I'd seen the other movies and I knew enough from the other movies to not feel like, Oh, they're referencing something. I don't understand. It's like, no, they're referencing the other movies, which I did see. So I know who all these people are. Like I knew who Ghidorah was when they had the skull and I was like, yeah, and I get it, you know? And, um, I thought it was also a great mix of bringing back like the, you know, Millie Bobby Brown's character and her dad and like some of the, you know, the people we knew, but also bringing in like new people, um, you know, and kind of having those two camps, like the Godzilla people and the Kong people. And, um, and I, I, one of my first thoughts too, was I was like, Oh, Joel got his dream. They punched for a while. Then they were mates. Like that was, that was like (laughs) what was almost more triumphant about that moment than the actual moment itself between the characters was like me knowing that, Oh, yay, Joel's (laughs) going to love this. Or he did love this because you had already seen it. Um, (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> I've totally co-opted that from the weekly play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was great. I mean, I think like I, I cried during this one. Like, I don't think I cried during Kong, even though I did like it. And it was like emotion. Like, I think it was the, you know, the fact of having the little girl, like, and you know, even though like in Kong, like he kind of makes the connection with people and you kind of see that like, okay, he's not just a monster. Like, like with the, the little, I mean, the little girl was just great, Mm -hmm. but also the fact of like, you know, and then, you know, the realization that he can sign, it was just like, you know, and then that that was, that was big. That was a big deal. That was amazing. Like, yeah. And to see it on the big screen, to see the scale also was just like, oh shit, there's somebody in there. (laughs) Like, Yeah. And so, yeah. So, and that was the thing too, is like, I was definitely team Kong all the way, but I was glad that they ended up being, (laughs) being friends in the end, you know? And it's like, like, yeah, like, you know, like what, and and it was also such a stupid fight too. Like that whole, like, and I I wonder how much of that was kind of like, just kind of commentary on like, you know, the, Oh, the two alpha males, they have to duke it out because there's two of them. It's just like, fuck both of you to that idiot to some degree, but it's like, But, but, but they learned and that's what I was glad that they both learned their lesson. Like, okay, like we can coexist. Like this was a bigger threat. I'm glad we were able to put that aside and work together on this. It was just like, yeah, like what else could you want for something like, yeah, we got Mecha Godzilla, which I was like, oh, like, again, like I'm not thoroughly versed, but I know that Mecha Godzilla is a thing. So getting to see it, I was like, this is perfect. Okay. So as much as I love this movie, so much of this movie's plot is why did they do this? Because we need them to do this. There's <laughs> no reason for any of it. It's not even like I don't know. Like they they kind of in the the scoring and the the, the sound editing they they kind mm-hmm. of had this thing where 
as they were activating Mecha Godzilla, there was like the alpha code, like right. the, the call yeah. thing was kind of in the, but they never explicitly said it. And here's the thing. I don't know. I was talking to our, our friend, David, or uh, Tynan, my friend, David, about this. Uh, I don't know if I'm just so disillusioned with these films. Like I, I've just been disappointed so much that I have no expectations for them mm. that whatever they do plot wise, I'm okay. So long as they show me the smashing and crashing monsters. Like, I don't know if it's that, mm. or I also feel like this one felt the most like the Toho series in that whatever was happening with the humans was kind of like, whatever. Cause there's, in, in the originals, there's aliens and cyborgs and ape people, and <laughs> it's it's weird, and it's all of it. There's secret agents, and there's like, it, it has, it, it's very loosely connected, and doesn't matter as much as seeing monster fight monster. And in this, I was just the same way. It's just like that's fine. Oh, there's a Hollow Earth. Didn't they prove that in the last one? Oh no, they're rediscovering it for the first time. Go fine. Why do they need to go to the Hollow Earth? Because maybe there's a light or a, a, a sort. Why did Kong want to go there? It's right. a DNA homing. Oh, okay, whatever, whatever. Just get yeah. there. Oh, and then they're well, there. The thing, like, like, yeah, how like, do we get the power? There's source? some temple there, and I'm like, what? <laughs> with Who the built doors? that? And then with the powers, like, oh, the axe fit. Okay, that's great. Like anytime I <laughs> from like the fountain, like anytime there's a dagger or something that fits in something, it's really close, and that's what unlocks it. Like I am here for it. Uh, Justice League with the arrow, I, I it's fine. I'm not right. mad at it. It's fine. But like the the they're gonna fucking airdrop or uh, drop box the power source up from the the middle of the fucking earth. Like how does that work? Like yep. downloading. <laughs> Got it. Okay, we're online. <laughs> Godzilla fucking atomic breaths to the center of the earth for no reason. We don't mm. know why. Like the- and then it stops. Right. Once it broke through, it was just oh that's it. You know, it can go on almost infinitely until it breaks through and then it stops. Okay. So this is this is not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination. Like and also like I don't know how I feel about Millie Bobby Brown being this like flat earther conspiracy theorist ex like that that aspect of it was like weird and like it also was like I got Kong versus Godzilla and podcasting as a central Im- Like I'm down. Like I'm here. Yeah. This is for me. This is literally only for me. Yeah. So it, it was, yeah. What were you going to say? Well, and yeah. Cause, cause yeah, like that was one of my, my thoughts early on. And I actually told Krista this too. I was like, the thing I find most unbelievable about this whole film is that the guy who wrote a book about hollow earth theory is just sitting alone with all these books that never <laughs> sold like QAnon would have eaten that shit up, you know, like in, you know, th- th- this is not our earth. If this is what you're talking about, because that guy would have been turned into a, a fucking God by QAnon and, and everyone else, you know, like, Oh yeah. Hollow earth. Yeah. Like, Oh, there's a book on this. Yeah. I'll read it. Yeah. It's, well, you know, it's like, no. Yeah. And in, in, in no possible way is that guy like just sitting there with a beard, like by himself, like, Oh, everyone thinks I'm a quack, you know? That was like, the most unrealistic part of that film for me. <laughs> and I, I get like, they finally gave me what I wanted. Like a minute. Like, and it's the thing. Like one of the best things about this movie is it was short. Mm. It's two hours. Yeah. Period. That was great. And I don't know if that's just coming off of Snyder cut of justice league, where it's just like anything that's sub four hours is going to be like a breeze, but it, it's just, it's, it hits all the things that you needed to hit. 
And I, I was convinced at, at the first thing, cause they show you Godzilla right a fucking way. And I was like, okay, this, this is what we need. But I was convinced that that, cause the original Mecha Godzilla was a construct by this alien race. Right. And they, it was just another Godzilla who, who like seemed to be attacked because this is like the first kind of defender of the earth Godzilla. So Godzilla seemed to be attacking these places. And then Godzilla, the real Godzilla shows up and fights him and peels away his skin and Mecha Godzilla's underneath. So that, that's the origin. So I was, I thought that was what was happening in the first sequence is like, we don't like the, the tagline from the trailer is like, Godzilla's hurting people and we don't know why, which is not a great line. And, <laughs> but like, so that's what I thought is like, okay, that's Mecha Godzilla is the reason that it's happening. He kind of is, but he's not doing the attacking. Um, I do, I'm not overly fond of the design of Mecha Godzilla in this, but when I realized that it's Kevin, it's the severed head of Ghidorah, like the, the goofy one who mm-hmm. is the, the model for it. I'm like, okay, I'm down. And I mean, it's, it's very similar wait, wait. Ex- explain that kevin okay. and the goofy so, one what? <laughs> <laughs> so within kind of like the the online like gif averse and, and meme averse of the Ghidorah um in king of the monsters i don't know if it has its origins back because Ghidorah is always a badass and kind of when when they did the puppetry of the original suit kind of the other two the heads were always kind of like marionette-esque mm-hmm. so they kind of flopped around weird in in King of the Monsters, the far left head, when you're looking at him, so or I guess it, it stays right, like the right, far right one. So there's a middle one. Like that dude is goofy because at one point he like licks something and is like investigating, and the middle head kind of smacks him away. <laughs> and he's like kind of, and then he gets, he gets cut off and then grows back. So in the meme of verse, people have called him Kevin. There's a lot of like cartoons of like serious face, serious face, goofy as fuck. Mm -hmm. So like that, that, that's, that's the head that they took the skull from to do the interface to create kind of the central. Okay. Psionic link or whatever. And there's a lot of pseudoscience. I I'm, I'm here for it. It's giant fucking lizard, giant fucking monkey, ape, whatever it is. Like I'm in for it. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's very much the, uh, uh, which, which Transformers is it where they have uh, uh, Galvatron where they build it, but it keeps turning into Megatron because they use Megatron as like the central brain. Like, it's just silly. Like, none of this is original. <laughs> but when you got to smashing and crashing, and they teased, like, they teased the boat fight a lot in the trailers. Mm-hmm. And because we waited so long for this movie, like, I devoured trailers. Like, I, I don't usually do that because I want to see as much, like, fresh but like that's a great innovative fight and yeah. they did a great kind of like oh the oh sorry I, i'm jumping around <laughs> but the opening scene where it's like a a a a bracket like a championship bracket and it's godzilla versus this and an x oh yeah, and yeah. godzilla and at the end it's like they're the championship match mm-hmm. i'm like fuck yeah this is so good um but so, but the way that they had like kind of like a, a three match structure where it's like Godzilla versus Kong on the water, which Godzilla has the advantage, right? He's underwater. He can swim. Monkeys drown. Like that, that's how it yeah. works. So that was a great kind of like initial like skirmish. And then they get, to, 
man, Hong Kong as a setting with the neon and the lights, perfect. Just like that fight, and it was well paced. It didn't feel like Transformers, where it's a, a mass of Michael Bayishness that you don't really know what you're looking at because mm-hmm. everything's moving too quickly and it's just this c- visual cacophony. It was well structured. It felt like a WWE match where these two rivals, it, it's like a, 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 a triple threat match. They're fighting, and then a dude comes in and sees that they're fighting and it's distracting. He takes out the one, and the guy comes back, and then they tag team him to defeat. Like, is great. Like, just mm. great match choreography. And the fight is brutal. And they're moving, kind of lumbering. And like when when Kong winds up and really gives up, like it's a really big wind up, and they have some weight. Like it just incredible. Like I also like that the uh, when when they went to Hong Kong, like the music seemed to make a shift. It almost reminded me of Blade Runner with that whole yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. the, the the neon. <laughs> like I was just like, oh okay, like yeah, it, you know it's. It was definitely uh, um, like noticeable, but I mean, I it, but it fit, yeah, it fit the scene change, you know, the, or the scenery change. Speaking of the soundtrack, like anytime they incorporate like the Godzilla theme into anything, mm-hmm. it just it it resonates with me so mm-hmm. deep. It's just like, and then it comes out as like, fuck yeah, Godzilla! Like it, it's <laughs> just like it's such a recognizable theme and a simple theme. And when they incorporate, like, especially with, like, EDM instrumentation, like, mm-hmm. more kind of technological sounds, it's fucking rad. And it, it, it just, it resonated through the whole theater. And it, it's just, there was no reason for everybody to be in Hong Kong at that point. Just kind of, like, <laughs> the, the conspiracy podcaster in them. Like, it doesn't, it didn't really matter. And I think that was its... It, it's fine. Like you don't really, what is it that Oscar says? I want to, I want to, I want to critique it, but I know it has no content. (laughs) Yeah. So, and it's the thing, like we're here for, for the monsters to fight. You knew that the, the daughter of the rich dude, when they got to hollow earth was going to betray them. Like you could see beat for beat, like nothing was surprising. Yeah. And it's, it's fine. Like that, again, my, my expectations and my, my, desire for these films to be anything more than just big monsters fighting is so low. Like I got my commentary with Shin Godzilla. Like that, Mm -hmm. that's, that's the one to watch if you want like an innovative new take on it. Right. But like the, like CGI looked great. Kong with a, a Thor hammer is great. The fact that they tag team in the end Mm -hmm. where, well, it's all, Oh man, it's, and the, the 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 roar off where Godzilla fucking nerfs him and stands oh, yeah. on his chest and then he sees that he's dying and he just kind of like backs off and like you can die fuck you and yeah. then they they find a way to fucking <laughs> defibrillate Kong he gets up his arm is out of the socket he yeah. knocks it into a building and then comes back in fighting like it, it it's just it's that's the shit that I wanted. And I like that they kind of centered it around Kong as kind of like the emotional weight to it, right? Like you gave him some personality. I've talked to, again, David, who who did doesn't care about the monkey. He just doesn't. Because mm-hmm. it's Kong's, fran- or it's, it's Godzilla's franchise. 
And I was like, it, it was an interesting track to give them more, more kind of weight to the story and a reason for them to fight. It's like different. Like this is a lizard. This is a, a primate. There's right. a difference in kind of instincts, right? Like when you call somebody cold and callous and soulless, you call them like a, a lizard brain. Like that, that's yeah. the difference. And it's cool because we kind of got more of a Godzilla personality. Because at one point he's looking at Kong all fucked up and he laughs. We see Godzilla laugh. And I didn't notice it the first time I went back and I saw kind of the clips of him kind of like, <laughs> like he's got this really deep growl laugh as he's fighting Kong. And it, it, it's just, that's the Godzilla we need. We need some personality. We need him to fight. Um, and it, it, we need to see him awash in, in neon light from now on. Like that should be the arena mm-hmm. is <laughs> that, that should be the venue. And for, for them to tag team Mecha Godzilla in the end, like where <laughs> Kong's got the he's he's in a headlock and he's got the axe and and Godzilla fires it up because he's seen it before. You see him kind of learn and interact mm-hmm. and then he fight and he like they they take him apart. They they grab both his shoulders and force him through the building. Like it it's it's great, man. Like not a whole lot of substance, but like a whole lot of flash and fun. And I, I get you hadn't seen the original Kong versus Godzilla. No. So that that's the third one that was released, um, and it's Toho Kong, which I think there's two other, the Son of Kong, and then some other. At, at what point there's like a Mecha Kong in in the kaiju kind of mythos? I haven't seen those mm-hmm. films, but I, I'm really interested to see them. Um, so in the first one, it's it's weird. I don't really remember kind of the reason they fought. I think they brought in Kong, like they. <laughs> At one point, Kong is brought in on like hot air balloons and put down to like to to fight Godzilla off, and and I can't remember who's the director, but it's like a really shitty build. It's not the best costume for either Kong or Godzilla in it. I think there's some stop motion, but also like guys in uh-huh. in suits. But the the best thing that I think this movie did was reference it because I, I think I've sent you the gif of uh, God or Kong putting a tree into Godzilla's mouth, forcing it down his throat. A lot of times it's accompanied with the caption, eat your vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) And within like the first five minutes of their fight in Hong Kong, Kong grabs the ax handle and puts it in his throat. And I laughed out loud. It's the loudest reaction I had in the theater. Like people were looking, it's like, Oh my God, they did it. They referenced it. And it was just like, I was already like all in and it, it like excited and already in a like I, I loved the movie already and at that point I was just like this is perfect like th- that's mm-hmm. that's all I want from these films is to be as silly and kind of indulgent in these giant monsters as the original films were mm-hmm. and like it, it's not that they were put together by poor directors like Ishiro Honda is an incredible director this like really high caliber like directors and and teams that put the original films together is just a limitation of the technology and 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 their kind of uh film industry that put limitations on them they weren't able to 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 realize things but they were still they're entertaining and that that's kind of all i've wanted from these is to be entertained i don't want to be intellectually stimulated i don't want to be uh uh I don't. I don't want m- memento from these films, right? Like, right. I, I just show me the monsters, and they finally showed me the monsters. It, it just. This has been a very brief discussion. Just 
just <laughs> it, it, it was great it was really fun yeah. like so you are you you said this well, one's your favorite of the the ones you've seen yeah and i think i mean the other thing too i mean this kind of goes along with what, what you're saying but like because I know that, like, with Shin Godzilla, you really like all of the human deliberation that happens yeah. and how we're going to, you know, and for me, like, I I guess I didn't as much. It's like, I, I like the idea of kind of the humans, you know, I guess if you just have the one Godzilla, then it's like, okay, it's Godzilla versus humans. But that was one of the things I did like more about, you know, having the um, King of Monsters where it was like monster versus monster and humans are just kind of like, okay, we can maybe try to influence this, but we're really kind of powerless. And, you know, uh, um, you know, and I guess it was, you know, maybe it was more about the humans learning about these, these creatures and not just being like, okay, it's a threat. How do we stop it? You know? Right. Um, whereas, yeah, with this one, I feel like the, the, yeah, the stage was kind of already set. Like this was just playing itself out and they were kind of like, you know, the humans were kind of involved. Like I liked the, you know, I, I, yeah, I get what you're saying about the whole, like, what, like, why are they fighting? Oh, you know, because, you know, but, and I think that was part of it too, is that I just kind of like, I guess I kind of saw that as, as, as commentary, you know, between their animal nature and, you know, as a metaphor for, you know, humans, especially by using, you know, the term alpha, you know, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. we have two alphas. They're going to have to fight, you know, like, you know, like we've all been to those parties where they're the two dudes just <laughs> who are drunk sizing each other up and they're going to fight because there are two dudes there, you know, it's like, and, and I, you know, and, and that was the thing is like, I think because I've seen that play itself out, I was like, yeah, it makes total sense. You know, mm -hmm. like it was, it, it, it was a simple explanation, but it's, it's all the explanation you needed. Like I bought it, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't even a matter of like, oh, I don't care because I'm not here to see that. It's like, yeah, of course they're going to fight because they're fucking stupid. And they're like, they're, you know, they, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you know, um, but you know, uh, I, Oh yeah. That was the other thing. So one of the things I wanted to kind of, I guess, compare this to, which isn't always the best thing to do, but like with like the Pacific Rim series, yeah, you know, th those are kind of cool, but like something I liked better about this one was, you know, first of all, when you have like the, the Mecha Godzilla, you know, that kind of like reminded me of the Pacific Rim kind of idea, uh, or even a little bit of like Evangelion, you know, like, okay, yeah. good. The humans are, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and I, so I liked that, you know, that was one of the things that always seemed to, uh, like with uh, Pacific Rim, the fact, oh, we need two people and they need to be in sync. And it would just, to me, it just kind of slowed everything down. It's like, like, I, I get it. It's a big robot, but really two humans make all the difference. Like one human, it's too much. Two humans, <laughs> fine. Like I could understand if you did a Voltron thing where we need mm -hmm. a human per hand, a human per foot, and then a one for the head. Like that I would have bought into. But like this, it's just like, two like it, and i feel like so much time was spent on those two people syncing up and i was just like i'm I'm over this so i like that it was just one person controlling it from here we're using the scope cool good move on you know um also like i like that the like with this the godzilla series you know the 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 monsters um they're they're more like recognizable in a sense you know like oh this is a dragon with three heads i know what that is like right I couldn't describe any of the exactly. monsters from Pacific Rim because they're just, and, and I mean, good for them for inventing new monsters that come out of nothing we're familiar with. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying that as a criticism, but you know, yeah, for me, like I definitely like sometimes in Pacific Rim, I couldn't tell if it was two different monsters or the same monster right. because they just, they looked so uh, again, unfamiliar. Um, 
so I did enjoy about this, you know, throughout the whole series. Oh, that's Godzilla. Oh, that looks like a giant moth. You know, that looks right. like this, that, you know, that's a giant woolly mammoth. That's a dragon with three heads. You know, got it. Like, I know where all these things stand, you know. Um, and I did like how they kind of added this whole, like, elemental aspect to them, too. Like, mm-hmm. I never really thought of Godzilla as being, like, a water-type entity, but how they kind of worked that into it. Right. You know, and then... um I think they did that with a few of the others, didn't they? I, I, I feel like I remember thinking that, like, oh, cool, like, this is a fire, you know, kaiju. This is, you know, or something. Yeah, because Rodan is in a, a volcano. Yeah. Um, which is pretty close to the, the original movie. Rodan got his own movie. It was oh wow. sick. I love that movie. <laughs> Rodan's my favorite kaiju. Uh, like, um, with Pacific Rim, I feel like I really enjoyed that movie. But it was like a placeholder. Like, mm. I wanted it to be Godzilla. I wanted it to be... And I, I think what you said about the kaiju in that, like, they're very generic and... For, like, not generic, but just kind of faceless. There's no personality there. Even the Jaegers, I mean, they're different designs, but it's kind of like giant robot, giant robot. There's yeah. no... It was very personality-less mm-hmm. in that. And... It, it's fun. It, it's worth a watch. I I really am entertained by. Yeah. The, I haven't seen the the sequel. I, apparently, like people liked it. I just didn't get around to seeing it. But like, I, I watched it. Like, oh, this is cool. This is how you could do a kaiju movie. I really wish they they could do this with the Toho's guys. And now that we've got Kong versus Godzilla, I keep mixing those up. Now that we've got this movie, it's like this is what I wanted that to be. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's exactly what I wanted it to be. There, there's like, I don't know if that I would tighten it up. That's the thing. The things that I I, I like, you could. The, the plot is as hollow as Hollow Earth. Like there, there's so many holes. But it, it's like I don't. I'm I'm feeling nostalgic for the Toho series where mm-hmm. there's some silly human shit going on, and also hey, there's big big monsters fucking shit up like i mm-hmm. i i really enjoyed that yeah and that's like toho kaiju just look cool even even the ones that are like godzilla derivatives like mecha godzilla and then space godzilla like <laughs> they're cool like space godzilla has big fucking like crystals coming out of his shoulders oh, nice. like that's sick I, I i liked the origin that they did with uh Ghidorah, where he was a an an alien and he fucked up the ecosystem and he 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 mis uh, unbalanced kind of the food chain which was like a really interesting way to do that character and and yeah i think the design was great i just would have liked to see it in the daytime that's yeah i, I mean mothra's great like i and i i still want to see that fucking behemoth i think they call it which is the the woolly mammoth looking oh, one yeah. like mm-hmm. there's a lot of those monsters we haven't seen do anything other than like in the clippings of the credits of king of the monsters yeah super solid i i will watch it again i will probably go and see it in the theater again if i can <laughs> it's funny zika texted me he's like oh i'm so jealous you got to see it. it's like hey if you need a buddy i will go see it in the theater again he's like ah, i might take you up on <laughs> it's great like it, yeah. on on a big screen like it's everything I want. that's the thing like i we've been ex- i've been excited for this movie since they announced it which was like five years ago it's been Mm -hmm. it's been a long time this movie's been in the works and that's the thing like i they they teased kong versus godzilla before king of the monsters 
that's how early this concept, like we are building to that. Right. And I think it, it's really, it's paid off. I, I think they, they took their time and they discovered what it was. I think it took a little while. This is kind of like a, what I wish they would have done with justice league in, in, hmm. in WB It's kind of this type of thing where they're not competing with Marvel. They're not responding to it. it it's just like, how do we make a monster universe? Okay. We had this movie. Yeah. We'll add a little bit more. We'll add a little bit more. And it's a new thing. It's a different, now we can get monster universe movies going forward. It's like, okay, do we get another Kong movie? Kong in the hollow earth. That's a cool, like there's shit down there. We haven't seen. And then we get Godzilla versus the next thing, whether that's Ibra or, uh, um, Hidora or, um, Oh, what's his fucking name? I don't know any of their names. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be no help. Oh shit. I'm going to look him up. Cause He's too badass not to remember. Yeah, I would like to see another another movie with kind of like you know again with like with um, Ghidorah the whole idea of like oh there's you know there are these giant monsters who you know are on Earth but then there's an alien who comes in you know so I think that would be another cool way to go now that we've you know even though you know Ghidorah was kind of already there to kind of have like like okay we've developed in you know some sort of equilibrium with these other monsters you know you know, kind of like from a, you know, Jurassic World kind of perspective, but it's like, okay, when there is a bigger threat and now they've got to come, like, you know, come help out, you know, maybe that could be where you bring a lot of those other monsters back. Cause it's like, okay, this is a threat too big for just Godzilla or Godzilla and Kong or whatever. We need like all of them, you know, an army of Titans to go up right. against <laughs> these, you know, alien Titans or whatever. There's so many. Why is this? Or maybe they'll do like the Patton Oswald thing and tie this universe <laughs> in with the Marvel universe. So when Galactus comes, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the Marvel heroes plus the Titans against Galactus. Stop it. It <laughs> doesn't all have to be a crossover. Yes, it does. <laughs> Gigan. Okay. It's boring. He's got one big eye. Oh, okay. He's cool. Look, but he's got like scythes for hands. He's mm-hmm. sick. Like I like Egan. Uh, that was a lot of build up for nothing. <laughs> uh, so now it's time for great ideas that go absolutely nowhere. And you had something that tied into Godzilla yep. versus Kong. Two words. Godzilla musical. <laughs> Didn't they isn't there a parody of that? Like I feel like isn't that a thing? Oh, I don't like, know. I- isn't I mean maybe it's a family guy cutaway or something, but like Godzilla the musical They do a Planet Planet of the Apes musical on The Simpsons with Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Right. Godzilla musical. Oh, somebody did on YouTube, they did a <laughs> there's this uh, like a YouTube channel that does that. <laughs> Giant Green Lizard, the musical. <laughs> nice. But it's is it really, like it's a parody, like yeah, but I mean, what I'm saying is like, is it is it something that's done like as a video? Like I've seen stuff where people, like for example, some there's one guy and he turns, uh, like he did Conan, he did Back to the Future, he turns them into musicals by taking scenes from the movie and then like singing over them, like oh. singing the plot <laughs> to the melody of the score and kind of writing words, you know. Um, so it's but it's like it's the existing footage. I'm talking about like performing it on a stage. Right. You know, no, this this again. was like a two act like design, but like 
all this is making me think of the the uh what is it, the Mother's Day play that the Bob's Burgers where they tell Linda what they what they wish it was like production value and oh, they've yeah. got like the big animatron or puppeteer uh alien queen Oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. with <laughs> Tina's voice Yeah <laughs> and then they swap bodies cuz it's Freaky Friday with aliens That's right, yeah. <laughs> But see cuz because what I was thinking is like I think I was thinking about that idea, like I said, that you know the 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 scale and things like that, mm-hmm. and and I think that's sometimes what happens with movies. I think we just we kind of become numb to it because it's just a flat screen, you know. Right. And and I remember, um, and actually, this just came to me now, wasn't it? But but I remember when I um uh, I had gone. Uh, uh, Krista was singing in the uh, Colorado. They did the Colorado Ballet did um, uh, uh, Dracula. Right. And there was one scene where like it's it starts off and like all of a sudden you're just aware of this movement happening and it's it's almost like all these like zombies i mean i think there were vampires but like zombie type who are just like, all coming out of the ground and just like crawling and it was just and i've never been so creeped out by something on a movie as i was watching this happen and like th- these people are really here like and right. you because in your brain you're like they're gonna crawl out into the audience and kill us you know like right. That can't happen on a screen. It's a screen. You know, it's being right. projected there. These are actual physical people. So, so the, you know, the idea that like when you're seeing something live, even though you know we don't have CGI and this and that, like I think there's something to be said for it actually being tangible and in front of you. So I was just like thinking of all the ways, you know, the ways they present Godzilla, you know, and like how can we replicate replicate that on stage? You know, th- seeing thinking of things like you have a person standing there and there's this backdrop that comes down of like Godzilla's eye. But now you and the audience are looking at that. That's physically there. That eye that is, you know, 10 feet around, you know, like you're there with that person looking at that eye. It's not on a screen. And then, right. you know, well, this, per- you know, um, and just thinking of all the ways that could play out, and then you could get into like, okay, people in suits, you know, like where they're now they're going to just like hash it out. And you've got like, you know, a city that you've had to build as these two people fight and crash into this city. Um, and, you know, or, you know, or even before that, I was also even thinking too, you could have like aspects of it. That's like, you know, puppets or robots where it's like, okay, like you actually have a hand coming in, you know, yeah, the size that. of the entire state, you know, like, so or like a tail piece kind of yeah. going out off camera or like, yeah as kind of a tension builder, like he was just here, then you see the rubble and reaction. Yeah. So you're not seeing Godzilla singing in the musical. No, I mean, the people would be singing. So there would be kind of like, you know, I want King of the King of the monsters to be the the central. I want him to be the protagonist singing. (laughs) Well, I I mean, there are maybe ways you could do it where it's like, you know, I guess incorporating the Godzilla scream into the music. So it's like, that's, you know, that's, that's his, that's his song. That's his swan song. in, In dream scenario, I'm seeing this like put on by like little kids. Like just so excited to like play Godzilla and like, <laughs> but like well, actually, the, or the 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 climax could be like the the big puppet animatronic head comes through and atomic breath and that's the end. Like yeah, well like and, and that's what I was thinking too. Like just just thinking of all the ways you could play with like the forced perspective. So like mm-hmm. yeah, like having child actors along with like other things happening so like if you're kind of buying if you're you know suspending your disbelief that those child actors are adults and then looking at you could make the scope of godzilla seem that much bigger 
you know, build a small, like an office, say you have an office building on, in a skyscraper, but everything's small and there are children instead of adults. Well, now, like, however big you can make Godzilla seems that much bigger, you know, by mm-hmm. comparison, you know, or, um, you know, doing things like, you know, you have like a group of people, you know, who, who are close to the audience, but then in the background, you know, oh, we have this set that looks like the entire city and skyscrapers and Godzilla's walking, you know, kind of the way we see him in the film a lot of the time where the people are looking out at the horizon and like, oh my God, there's Godzilla out there. You know, I know he's far away, but look how big he is. So you could kind of play with that perspective that like, okay, we have kids in the foreground and then you have an adult in the suit in the background and it's supposed to be like miles and miles away, but we still see like, Oh my God, look, he's next to a building, you know? And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I almost, I, I think part of it too is also, I mean, I've been, you know, I have musicals on the brain because of my other project, but also I think as I'm watching this and, and, this was, I think, the most that I've actually engaged with the human characters. You know, again, I think a lot of it was because of the little girl and just mm-hmm. how great she was and how great that connection was of, you know, between her and Kong. And it's like, okay, like there's, there's actual, you know, emotion there that can kind of work its way into not just, you know, again, the government, deli- you know, uh, deliberating about how we're going to stop this threat, right. but like the actual, like, compassion between the humans and the titans you know yeah um so that was i think one of my favorite things about this one and that's what kind of lent it where like oh that could work you know if you have a character singing about like yeah i'm i'm on team kong and he's getting his ass beat and that and that sucks and i'm sad like you know and he's he's a good guy and he's my friend and he's my family you know and and he's getting his ass beat by this other alpha male you know and um so I feel like, you know, that aspect of it could, could lend itself to, you know, justifying actually having songs that are being sung amidst right. all this stuff. Um, and I guess it would have to be a musical, maybe just if it was a play, you know. Um, and I've also liked the idea of having, like, if you had a play with a score. So even if the, mm. the characters aren't singing, but I feel like most plays I've seen, unless it's a musical where the characters are singing, you don't have, like, a pit orchestra that's playing right. music. But maybe that would be more the ideal where it is just a play, but you have this giant orchestra in the pits. You could have like this huge brass section for like, you know, scoring these Titans, you know, and, and to see that sort of happen. Cause that's the thing is I feel like if we were to see two people in a suit fighting amidst this pretend uh, city on a film nowadays, it would be ridiculous. But if you saw it live, I think that would be a different experience and we'd be more willing to buy into that. Yeah. Um, and I think it could potentially be more visceral than watching good C- good CGI on a flat screen to have two people in suits just like beating the piss out of each other and getting knocked into buildings and causing this destruction that you're you're kind of seeing, you know, with like toy cars driving around, you know, things like that, you know. It's interesting you with the little girl in Godzilla versus Kong. I think she's a direct reference to the the tiny twins in uh the mothra films because they're kind of like these these kind of mythical beings and they're from a specific village like there's a mothra village in the same way there's like a king kong village okay um like an island that's kind of isolated they're kind of the conduit for mothra who kind of narrates and becomes like the moral center of a lot of conflicts in the godzilla series oh okay which would be a great kind of like you could also do that with child actors to, from like force perspective. It's also, it's like humans are big to these tiny twins and then Godzilla is huge to, to even more so, but them as kind of like this, this um, translating force. And 
I'm just thinking of like a great duet between those two kind of narrating Mothra's large. And in the the back, you have this massive moth construct Mm -hmm. as kind of like narrating is like, why can't, why can't we be friends? Essentially is a lot of the message there. Uh, Mothra gets a bad rap. Well, no, I think people, people like Mothra, like, but she's she's not a monster in the right. same way everybody else is. She's yeah. like a big force for good. Yeah, I'm just seeing like these giant sheets for her wings, just kind of like, yeah. you know, I mean, I feel like that'd be easy to do. You know, you have them on beams that are being controlled from above and like, you know, the, these big sheets just like spreading out and having the lights to reflect off it, you know. Now I'm curious like what the story would be because like there's a lot like what what story could we tell? And that's the thing, like how do we, I don't want like to run into the issues that the movies have had with, okay, the humans story doesn't connect enough or too much, like, or it's too focused on them. You know what I'm saying? I think the thing that I really liked about Shin Godzilla is they took the tack of in, in the past, it it was a lone scientist or a team versus Godzilla in Shin Godzilla. They said, okay, Japan as a nation versus Godzilla that hadn't been done before. It was oh, okay. in, like they 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 at a certain point in the Toho series and the series that followed, they developed like a good Godzilla response team and infrastructure for that. But it was never okay. This is the first time. How does the the nation of Japan respond militaristically, bureau, bureaucratically, mm-hmm. government wise, and as a force within the globe? Like how does america react like that that was the perspective i really enjoyed about it was because because it's like a nation is very different and a bigger organism and and seems like a better i don't know it's hard to to see one person on the ground with this massive thing like how is that how are you going to beat that you know Mm -hmm. that's why they needed kong in this one where kong was big enough to be kind of the force in 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 support of humans and we were able to empathize because he's he's a primate yeah yeah i definitely noticed that that being part of the connection you know like Mm -hmm. being a a primate being you know being a mammal being you know like having a face like ours you know like having hair you know like all of that being like okay i can you know say i don't know what the plot would be exactly i mean i can think of elements that i enjoy like i like having the the human scientist who you think is helping you but is actually fucking everything up like that would have to be there (laughs) yeah i like the the connection to the little kid um also the fact that she's from this this kind of indigenous tribe kind of thing so like something like that where it's like oh "Oh, should we do you know should we do our, our uh, Godzilla in, in Native American that's, that's folklore. That's what I was thinking. Actually, that, that should be. Yeah. That's the fucking story. That, that's yeah. how we do it. We'll do it in a stage play. Yeah, and then you could have like you could have the music being sort of very this contrast between like yeah the very Native American inspired, but then also again the big you know fat low brass section for Godzilla. You know, yeah. so you've got those those two elements kind of you know coming into play. Um, yeah. But, yeah yeah i think it would you know and, and that's part of it too is like yeah you then it, and, and then in that mix too you also have just like modern day america you know probably be like yeah you'd have that sort of new york aspect of it but then you have like you know okay the the you know the indigenous reservation where it's like oh that's where he arrives and like you know and that's where the little girl comes out of it and we did it. <laughs> there you go. That's the next project. It, it went, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It went somewhere and now it's going to go nowhere. 
as the segment says. All right, that's about enough of that. And here's Tim with the final word. Kong. <laughs> Gojira. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>